the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, The Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25 years of combined experience in the markets. In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis. At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional-level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. Welcome to episode 60 of Magic Markets, and it's after a pretty crazy week in the markets. I think we can all agree on that. Last week, we heard from the team at Westbrook. Dino joined us from Westbrook Alternative Asset Management to talk about their offerings of essentially uncorrelated assets. And if you've been holding shares in the last week, the thought of uncorrelated assets might be rather appealing to you because the market's been a pretty tough place to play, let's be honest. So I would encourage you to go back to episode 59, listen to that. And we look forward to welcoming someone from Westbrook on the show essentially once per month to unpack these alternative assets. But what we've decided to do tonight is to talk to some of the companies that we've covered in Magic Markets Premium and look at how they've done since we did the show, whether or not they've done what we thought they would do. And of course, it's incredibly hard to make predictions you know and what we do in magic markets premium is we give a very balanced view on the fundamentals of the company we talk about the technical trading indicators we talk about what we think the valuation might be and of course it's never advice it's there to just help people make their own decisions but i'm not going to lie it's nice to see things have gone where we kind of thought they would because at one point mo i felt a bit like dr no continuously beating the drum that yes great company but actually not a great valuation isn't it Absolutely, Ghost. It's, it's such a pleasure doing this. And I think it's important to take stock every now and then because, you know, we're, we're about honesty. We're about transparency. Our subscribers know this. You can go and have a look at any report. It's there. It's got a date on it. You can see where the stock was trading at the time we wrote it. And, you know, I think this is about having an honest review with ourselves because you're right. I think, you know, latter part of last year, we looked at a lot of stocks and we said, fundamentally, a lot of these look expensive. And the numbers, quite frankly, were quite alarming. You know, on some of the stocks we came out saying, Geez, we, we wouldn't even look at the stock unless it were down another 20 or 30%. Well, guess what? Some of those have actually corrected in that quantum. In fact, I'm, I'm looking at them right now, and one of the stocks, we'll talk about it, we'll touch on it in the show, is down 43% from when we actually wrote about it in the early part of November. So I don't want to steal from the thunder of the show. Let's go straight into it, Ghost. Why don't we pull out some of these? And we're not going to cherry pick, guys. We're actually going to have a look at this critically. We've got some of them right. You don't necessarily get everything right. Anyone who tells you that is lying to you. But let's go and unpack it uh, for not just our listeners, but for ourselves as well. And before we do that, Mo, there's a really important point that I would like to certainly make. And that is how important it is to decouple the decision between whether or not you like the company and whether or not you like essentially the stock as an investment, because those two things are completely different. So when we pick a company for Magic Markets Premium, and this is absolutely true, we don't know yet what our view will be. Occasionally we do. For example, we've just recorded a show on Netflix, which our premium subscribers will have access to this week. And I certainly went into that show knowing firmly what my view is, but that's unusual. You know, normally we go in, we go in with fresh eyes and we unpack this thing and we figure it out as we go. 
So we don't choose companies because we think they're necessarily a great buy right now. We choose them because we think they're interesting. And even if the company is not a buy at the current levels in our view, for example, it's so valuable to go and unpack them properly. And I think it's valuable for really two reasons. One is you get to create a watch list. So if you think it's expensive and if the market corrects, now you have your shopping list for what you want to go and buy in this corrected market. And that's very important. And the second reason is that by unpacking companies in detail, you can spot patterns. You can see things that are common to more than one company. And we've actually done that on a Magic Markets free show at the end of last year. We touched on what are some of the themes that we've seen from Magic Markets Premium, stuff like supply chain, et cetera, et cetera, coming through the system. So, you know, before we get into it, I just wanted to alert people to the importance of just decoupling that decision. Yeah, I think that's vital. And I think the other distinction I'd like to make before we get into stock-specific stuff here is that there may be a difference between your investment thesis long-term on a stock and the ability to trade it. And I think, you know, we certainly at Magic Markets Premium, we're trying to cater to a fairly wide audience. Some people want to look for a long investment thesis. Other people want to look at trading ranges. You know, where are we going to find support? Where are we going to find resistance? And opportunistically, on a much shorter-term basis, get in and out of a stock around those levels indicated. And I think that's also what I want to maybe bring into this particular discussion. So, Ghost, why don't we jump straight in? You know, what's the first stock you'd like to highlight for our listeners? Well, let's talk a little bit of Nike. So the reason Nike is incredibly interesting, apart from the fact that it's obviously just a household name, is it displays something that is a bit common in the markets at the moment. And that is the problem of multiples that have essentially doubled from where they used to be and not necessarily done so with good reason. So for example, Nike was on an EBITDA multiple, which is a valuation methodology, of around 16 times in 2016, which was obviously a few years ago. It was at 30 when we did the report towards the end of last year. Now, that is almost double. That means that every rand or dollar, in this case, of operating profit in Nike is somehow worth double what it used to be just because, you know, well, exactly, just because. Is it because of growth? Is it because the market's just expensive? And if you can understand the difference between those two things, you can avoid a lot of headaches because the reality is that if a company has doubled its multiple, there need to be some seriously good reasons. It needs to have great growth prospects, a strong moat. The business needs to be sort of twice as good. You know, it obviously doesn't work out exactly that way, but it's a nice rule of thumb. You've got to ask yourself why it's double. So Nike, there was some cute stuff, wasn't there? There was some stuff around direct to consumer and they did well in the pandemic they way outperformed some of the European competitors. I mean, it's a great business. It's Nike. But Mo, we didn't think it was double as good, did we? Yeah, we didn't. And I think, you know, again, for listeners that aren't familiar with it, we, we'd like to look at, you know, what's the return generated inside this company, but also what's the price you're paying for it. And when we looked at a stock like Nike, again, great business at the time, but, you know, was it generating a sufficient return on how much you are paying for the investment. I mean, what I want to do, Ghost, as well, is I want to look at some of the technical levels we indicated. So for those of you that, you know, you're listening to us, you're not yet a subscriber, we wrote about Nike. It was actually the first stock that we covered in Magic Markets Premium. Uh, and we even joked at the time, it's, we said, you know, just do it. And that's what we were doing. So when we wrote about it, the date was on the 18th of October. So for those of you sitting in front of your screens, you can go and pull up a chart and have a look at the price action from the 18th of October to where we are right now. When we wrote this report, the price was around $155. It's currently down around 5%, at around $147. But guess what? It wasn't a straight line. So after we wrote the report, the stock continued on its uptrend. It peaked out just above 
the 175, I had 174, I think, was one of the technical levels I'd indicated as a resistance to the upside. It peaked up just a little bit above that and then subsequently started working its way down. We did have a set of results in late December. Interestingly enough, around that time, we actually saw the moving averages that we spoke about and that I flagged saying, watch this if you want to be bullish on the stock. We saw the shorter term moving averages cross lower. And so that stock's actually traded all the way back down again. And as we speak right now, it's trading pretty much close on where we had our first support level. So, you know, this is just, again, an example of how you, we, we may have an investment thesis. We may say, geez, we love Nike as a company. Uh, we think it's too expensive right now. So wait for this, for your investment thesis, for your long investment thesis. This is kind of where we think value comes through. But we also indicated some key technical levels that should you see the price action move, you're likely to find some resistance here. You're likely to find some support around those levels. So Nike, for me, I consider as one of those that actually worked out fairly well in terms of our overall analysis. Yeah, you could have made money on the way up. And if you had sold out at the all-time highs, because I think that was that mid-170s level, you know, before the fundamental thesis kind of took over. And that's another important point. There's the momentum trade and there's the fundamental long portfolio trade, i.e. long-term portfolio. And those two things are different. If you're doing momentum trading, short-term trading, you're looking at almost exclusively looking at technical indicators, actually, on average. If you're doing the long-term portfolio, you're looking at fundamentals and you're using technicals to time your entry. And if you can, you can do a little bit of both you know, which is a bit of swing trading, which is great. Yeah, so Ghost, I mean, something that I like to add in there is I, I run a couple of portfolios and I've got my core long investment where you buy and you forget about it. And that's where I look for the investment thesis. But then I have the more speculative stuff and then I have a trading portfolio. And how I usually look at this is that I like to look at a stock, if I'm considering going long, I like to look at it and say, do I like the business? Do I actually like the business fundamentally? And if I do that, I generally predispose myself to considering long positions in that stock, even when I'm trading it. The flip side of that also applies is that if I think something's completely out of kilter, if I don't like the business, or if I think the business is really in silly territory, I'm then predisposed to just considering the short positions on that when I'm trading it. And then I overlay my trading levels on top of that. So that's how I try and blend my macro into my fundamental analysis into my trading strategy. Right, let's move on from Nike. Let's talk Etsy. An interesting story, interesting business, very emotionally tied in with the kind of creator economy during the pandemic. Lots and lots of side gigging was going on and people were making money selling custom masks and all measure of things. Cute business, bonkers valuation. Spot at the time of the report was in the mid 250s and it has been smashed. I think it's a 44, 45% correction. And Mo, I think our thesis there was, you know, or certainly the momentum play is dead. At the time there was a momentum play and momentum plays you gotta be super careful because they run out. And then the fundamentals matter. And as we said, the stock looked extremely expensive on fundamentals. They've done some very costly acquisitions. They've paid big multiples for things. And overall, our thesis was, you know what? This is an unproven model post-pandemic. So just rather wait because the upside is relatively limited when it's already trading at huge multiples on a year in which it did very well. Just wait. And it may present you with a much better time to get in if it's a stock you still like. And here we sit 45% down. Yeah, I think, I mean, Etsy is a cute business, right? I think we discussed that at the time. And it's cute 
but its price wasn't cute. I mean, again, for those of you following us on a chart, uh, we wrote about Etsy on the 10th of November. You know, I'm, I'm aware that some of you are not subscribers, so you won't have access to the report. So that's why I'm sharing some of this information with you. So we wrote about Etsy on the 10th of November. And as Ghost has pointed out, it was 258 at the time of writing the report. It's now trading around 148. And that's just shy of 43% down. So that's been massive pain. But I mean, Ghost, in all fairness, you know, this stock actually did trade up. It traded up after we wrote about it. Very briefly, you know, it pushed all the way up to a high of around 310 there and thereabouts. That was slightly shy of the 325 that we had as, as, a, as our second resistance level. You know, we had 283, we then had 325. And then subsequently fell all the way back down. If you're looking at the chart, you'll see that in the latter part of December, you actually saw the stock finding some support around its 200-day moving average, which we like to look at. And it kind of bounced slightly off that. And then when it headed down, it continued to melt. Remember, that came through around the 200. Uh, in fact, it came through around 208. When we wrote the report, I think I identified that as 204. Remember, it's a moving target. And when it broke, from there on downward, you've seen in excess of another $50. And I mean, we, we did have some support levels below that. One was around 180, and it's actually even broken below that one as well. So Etsy's been one of those that have worked out reasonably well, again, from both an investment thesis perspective, as well as from a trading ranger's perspective. Yeah, it was much like Nike in a bull trend, hits an important resistance line, turns around, and then if you know in your heart of hearts that the fundamentals aren't there, that's a good time to then get out of the way and say, thank you, I've made my money. This could now go way down to where it probably belongs. Let me let me move on. So moving on to the next company we're going to talk about on the show is Monster. So that's Monster Beverages, as in the green M that you buy at your friendly local petrol station and fill your body with caffeine and all these things. Now, our fundamental work on this company revealed that an enormous amount of the profit growth has actually come from a substantial decrease in the tax rate. Yes, the underlying operations have done well. Yes, it's a very, very good business at its core. It's a fabulous brand. It's all of those things. But it, again, is trading at a very, very expensive level. And if we look at the profit growth that is supposedly supporting this level, it comes from a huge drop in the tax rate, and that cannot continue. It simply cannot. So at some point, this thing reverts to its operating profit growth, not its net profit growth. And guess what? At that point, I'm not sure this valuation multiple can really be justified. And uh, this thing hasn't really corrected. It's only come off, I think it's about 8% since we wrote about it. So that's barely the levels we've seen come off in like the big tech companies. The market hasn't quite noticed this yet or we're on. You know, it's one of the two. No, I'm, I'm gesturing to you because actually this has been one of those seesaw stocks, Ghost. I mean, we wrote about it. It was on the 18th of November. And, uh, you know, this, this thing has whipsawed all over the show. So, in fact, again, if you pull up a chart, you can see that after we wrote about it, when we wrote about it, it was around $93 a share. And that stock subsequently corrected all the way down to just north of $80 a share. So that, that's a material correction. That is a material correction. It was marginally below, in fact, the level that we had indicated as your first support level around 85. We did have a number down at 70, which is where we saw the consolidation range come through. We didn't quite get that far down. The stock then ratcheted up from early December, which is when it got down to around 80 bucks, all the way up to just shy of $100. So it's been remarkably volatile. I mean, if you were trading this, if you had the risk appetite to trade this, and you got in around that support level once it broke high, let's even say $85, you would have ridden that from 85 
all the way up to close on $100, depending on your risk appetite. It's subsequently corrected. It's largely unchanged from where we are right now. It's around 6% down from when we wrote about it. But I don't think that changes our overall investment thesis. And this is, again, important to say, you know, you're going to have an investment view. You're going to have a trading view. Uh, I think, you know, this has just been one of the more volatile stocks that we've covered. And one of their sponsored athletes is Lewis Hamilton. And right now, we don't even know if he's coming back to Formula One. He might just spend next year farming potatoes. And Monster's not going to sponsor that or get much exposure from it. So we'll have to see, uh, we'll have to see what happens. Uh, those of you who follow me on Twitter will know I'm not a massive Lewis Hamilton fan myself. Uh, moving on to Disney. So this is a company that I actually bought more of today. So this little sell-off has helped me in that. This thing had a 16.5% share price CAGR in the decade before the pandemic. I mean, what a base to work off. And that's in hard currency returns. I mean, that's just magnificent. Now, something I learned in this show is that the cash flow treadmill in its streaming business is actually not that different to Netflix, which is the premium show we've just recorded tonight to be released this week. This makes me even more bearish on Netflix because if Disney has to keep spending when it already has all these wonderful characters and stories, and the same is certainly true for Netflix, which is actually busy building characters and stories. But moving on from that, Disney at the time of the report, I think it was at sort of $148. It's now at $134 when I looked earlier. Don't know what's happened in the market in the past few hours. And when we did the report, you know, we split out the streaming business from the traditional business. And we sort of looked at reasonable multiples you could put on each one. And this is called a sum of the parts approach because it's got two very different businesses, actually. And the net result of that was we concluded, well, this thing is probably trading a little bit below what we think the value could be. But you pointed out to me at the time that the technicals suggested a buying opportunity could come. And uh, indeed it has. And I bought today. Because for me now, this thing fundamentally makes sense to me. The technicals kind of make sense to me, and I'm in. Yeah, so Ghost, I mean, Disney's been that, that love-hate relationship, right? I mean, not to give away too much about what we've put inside the, the show with, with, with Netflix for our premium subscribers, but everyone listening to this show in the free show certainly knows that we both like Disney. We've held Disney. We covered it in the, in the premium show as well. We wrote about it at the tail end of last year. So 15th of December, you're correct, $148 at the time. I think we both liked the investment thesis. Uh, I guess the technical thesis was if you wanted to go long, look at a staggered entry because at that point in time, we did think you'd get a better buying opportunity. And some of the levels we had indicated technically was, I think at the time we wrote it, we were at 148. So there's one close by there around 145. I had actually added to my Disney position around there. And then the staggered entry we're talking about, the next level we looked at to the downside was 135. So we're pretty close on there, Ghost. I think spot on, you've actually added to your Disney position pretty much where we, we've seen our second support level. Now, I just want to say that if this pressure in the markets, generalized pressure does continue, that the next target level to the downside was around 120. So again, just bear in mind, it depends on each individual investor's risk appetite in terms of, do you want to jump in? Do you want to jump in early? Are you happy to ride down the last couple of bucks? I think, you know, Disney also, again, a good case study. Yeah, and I think the show on Netflix certainly did raise a couple of question marks that are worthy in terms of considering for the investment thesis on Disney as well. And my important point there, my investment style, if I'm buying it below what I think it's worth, then I don't beat myself up if it travels downwards to the next support level. In fact, I may well buy some more depending on how big it is in my portfolio. So that for me is why I try not to chase stuff where I just go, no, this is too expensive. I mean, another one was into it, you know, and maybe we can have two minutes on that to close the show. A company where the valuation is just silly in my books then I don't even look at the chart because I don't care. I'm not going to buy it above where I think is reasonable because I'm not trading 
I'm building a long-term portfolio. Whereas Disney, if Disney drops more from here, I'm still going to sleep at night because in 10 years' time, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near where it is now. It's going to be much higher, I hope. So do you want to take us, uh, maybe we finish the show with, with Intuit? Yeah, I think Ghost, I mean, your, your style and, and what I described earlier are very similar in that you, you have either a long or a short thesis on a stock. And then whether you decide to trade around that is just dependent on whether you're trading as well as investing or just looking at investing over the longer term. Uh, Intuit, very interesting. I mean, we wrote about that 23rd of November. When we wrote that report, the stock was around 600 and $65 a share. Now, in terms of the stocks we've covered, you know, this would certainly go there as the second worst performer after Etsy. That stock ratcheted up. I think we got to just shy of around $720 a share, which we had kind of indicated there as, as a resistance level. And then subsequent to that, it melted away. So if we have a look at where we saw some of the support, we've actually broken through support one and support two, and we're pretty much close on support three right now, which is around where that 200-day moving average also comes through. Um, I think, you know, when you see a, a, a size of a correction like 20%, again, we will have indicated in the report, for those of you that are not yet subscribers, the report will have indicated where we think fundamental value on a stock actually lies. So for those of you, I think, Ghost, you educated me. I thought Intuit, ah, boring stock. You know, there are actually some very interesting and insightful things we found out about Intuit as a business, like it actually went and bought MailChimp. So it's more than just accounting software. Uh, and I think that for me was the learning. But after you see a correction like this, is it a compelling investment opportunity or not? That's the beauty of Magic Markets Premium is for our subscribers, you can go and have a look at the full investment thesis. You can look at the detailed breakdown of the numbers where we look at the financials. We look at the balance sheet. We have a bull and a bear case and you can go and look at that deep dive and that's your first step on gaining access to institutional insights that are accessible for every single investor. I think that's where I want to leave this, Ghost, is that that's what we're trying to achieve with this particular show. We're trying to shine a light under the hood for those of you that aren't necessarily subscribers yet to say there's something in here for everyone, whether you're a trader, whether you're an investor. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't. But the important thing here is that it is a fundamental building block to all of our investment process. Yeah, and as a final point from me, I think, you know, if you're a day trader and you're hoping Mo will send you a WhatsApp telling you that the candles look good now and you should buy and he's got stickers on his Mercedes AMG, which he doesn't have, uh, he's not an AMG driver. And, uh, you know, that's not what we do. But if you are a long-term investor or if you are a swinner, I mean a swing trader, then you'll, you know, you'll find stuff in there that's going to be interesting to you. And if you want to learn, I think that's the last thing I want to say is, geez, I wish our product existed when I was a student at Varsity studying accounting and trying to understand this world of business or for someone studying CFA or for someone just trying to get their head around the world of investments, corporate strategy and how it all ties together. I think we're both incredibly proud of Magic Markets Premium. It's been going for about three months now. We've had great subscriber numbers come through. We're very happy. It's only going to just get better from here. And uh, we would really encourage people to go check it out. It's 99 Rand a month. Honestly, if you were going to buy into it or Etsy at the wrong time, you know, I'm pretty sure you would have uh, earned back that subscription many, many, many times over by perhaps just reconsidering your, uh, your thesis after listening to our show. So I think let's leave it there. Mo, thank you. And uh, to our premium subs, enjoy Netflix this week. Ciao. Remember to visit thefinanceghost.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.